Let's go to Luke 23 and verse 46. And he's on the cross in the throes of his agonies of death. And you will hear uh, the voice of the Lord Jesus unto the Father. Luke 23, 46. Now, I, of course, could take time to paint the scene of the cross, to paint the scene of Calvary, to paint uh, how the people gathered around to look at the nigh-naked body of Christ. And, and we see him in agony and suffering. And we are told here in this verse 46, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining us here on the broadcast today as we once more bring you God's Word from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. We are located between the town of Cloverdale and the city of Langley. Yes, we're in Surrey, but the township is Cloverdale. You can access our church from any direction, Number 10 Highway, Fraser Highway, Langley Bypass, and we're on the corner of 188 Street and 58 Avenue, just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway. For those who cannot make it along, we invite you to join us by webcast on your computer at our regular church times at 10.30 and 6 p.m. And, of course, we invite you to be a regular listener here to Let the Bible Speak, Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., and 5 p.m. We also have a full hour service, 9.30 Sunday mornings. And so I trust that God will minister to your heart even today. Now, the program today, we're dealing with the Lord Jesus, one of his seven sayings, the I am statements. And this one is, I am the good shepherd. And we know that there are a few bad ones around. And I think, of course, the uh, the Lord had Satan in mind when he spoke those words, that he has come to destroy and to deceive. But Jesus has come that we might have life. I am the good shepherd. And, of course, when Judas appeared with his band of men and officers of the, from the chief priests and Pharisees, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, doesn't say he ran, but went forth. He offered himself, and he said unto them, Whom seek ye? And indeed he, in a sense, was giving himself up. Whom seek ye? He knew too well they were seeking him. He knew all too well that they were coming to arrest him. Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. And he didn't run from his identity. He said, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And now, of course, that great event where when they would come close and begin to lay hands on him, the power of the Lord threw them all on their backs. And the weakness of men is demonstrated against the might of the Savior. Because if Jesus so willed, no man that day could have arrested him. No man could have arrested him. But he gave himself up unto them. And Verse 6, as soon as then, as he said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. 
Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he went on to say, I am he. And then Peter was going to take the sword uh, down there in verse 11. And Jesus said, Put up the sword. No opposition. No resistance. I could resist, but I won't. And in a mighty demonstration, he laid down his own life. He refused uh, even later, and when it came to the Sanhedrin, when he stood before Pilate, he was dumb, silent. The thing that amazed them all, the thing that frustrated Pilate was the silence of the Lord Jesus. Know you not that I have the power to condemn you or the power to release you? And the Lord remains silent. Why? Because as Isaiah 53, 7 presented it, he went as a dumb lamb to the shearer. No protest. If you've ever seen a lamb butchered, it's a most innocent sight. A most clear demonstration of what happened in our Lord. That poor lamb, and getting Easter, I would be worried if I was a lamb. Very often at Easter time, that's the season when people want the lamb and they butcher it, and the knives come out. And that little lamb that has been so friendly and fed maybe by hand, just walks the death route to the place where it's laid on the table and the knife is used to butcher it. No protest, just submits. And this is the language our Lord Jesus offers. He deliberately walked into the plan of death. He offered up himself. He laid down his life voluntarily. Because if he resisted, if he fought it, if he went against it, either with God or man, it would no longer be a voluntary free will offering. It would not bring pleasure to the heart of God, and it would not bring any pleasure to our hearts here today if we thought for a moment that Christ wished to escape it all. If at some point he tried to resist, we would wonder, does he really love the sheep? Is he really the good shepherd who giveth his life for the sheep? And we have to say now he is, absolutely. We see this time and time again. And we can say truly and sing our little hymn, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Let that warm your heart today. Put away every voice of doubt and fear of the love of the Savior for his believing people, his own sheep who believe on him. Now we move to the cross. And when we see our Lord after his arrest and after that morning of judgment, he's led through the streets and he is kneeled to the cross. Let's go to Luke 23 and verse 46. And he's on the cross in the throes of his agonies of death and you will hear uh, the voice of the Lord Jesus unto the Father. Luke 23, 46. Now, I, of course, could take time to paint the scene of the cross, to paint the scene of Calvary, to paint uh, how the people gathered around, to look at the nigh-naked body of Christ, and, and we see him in agony and suffering. 
And we are told here in this verse 46, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And this is one of the Savior's seven cries on the cross. You have to be very careful about the chronological order of those seven cries. This is five, six, baby. It's not the seventh one, but it's, it's five or six. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And we know from the people's cries, when the Lord Jesus said to him, Come down from the cross! Come down! The Lord Jesus, he refused. He must go to the cross. He must stay on that cross. He must finish the work that the Father had given him to do with all the, the taunts and the mockery and all the shouts of wicked men. But he had a mission to save sinners. And you must think of Calvary in that light. Jesus had a mission. He was on a work. He was, had a task to fulfill. And that's why when he cried on the cross, it is finished. He was conscious of his mission of laying down his life there on that very cross. And his work was to drink the cup of wrath which his Father had ordained for him that he might redeem his people. And so I want you to get thoroughly versed, thoroughly immersed in the reality that the Lord Jesus on the cross was aware of his love for you when you trust in him. Now, I speak to Christians. I speak to believers here today. There's no doubt about it. If you're not saved and you say, will Christ save me? If you've never yet called on the Lord, I want you to see the love of Christ to all who will call upon his name. Does Jesus love you? I assure you, he will hear your call with grace and joy. He will save you. He will redeem you by that very blood that he poured out so deliberately upon the cross. It was all so definite and so deliberate that he might offer to you a cup that's empty, empty of wrath, empty of the curse, and that you would have the very fullness of eternal life. Now, another point to notice on the cross is the timing of it all. Let's go to John chapter 19 and verse 31. I know this is a lot of cross references, and when you're studying these events in the Gospels, you've got four Gospels to consider, and they don't all give every detail. Some emphasize certain things. Others uh, go to another point and major on that. And so, there's always this crisscrossing in the Gospels as we refer and get a handle on these events. But in John 19.31, we read here, The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was an high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. And so you see that because this was a special feast coming up, this preparation that was going on, and it was not only a Sabbath day, but a very special Sabbath day. And uh, they were saying, well, these 
Criminals can't hang on the cross on public view over that Sabbath period. They must be taken down from the cross. And so a command was sought from Pilate that they would break their legs and that they might be taken away. Now, what would happen, of course, when a criminal on a cross being crucified, when the legs were broken, the full weight of the body would hang down, and as the arms were stretched out, they would suffocate in a very short order. It would be a swift end when the legs are broken. Now, it says here in verse 34, but uh, verse 33 ends with, uh, sorry, I must go back a little bit here to verse 32. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. Now, how come they went to the one on that side and then the malefactor on the other side? And the difference might be is that Jesus' cross might have been uh, further forward. It was closer to the center of things. The others were in each side, maybe a little back. And uh, perhaps that's the reason. And then one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith, uh, sorry, verse 33, uh, when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already. Now, although I seem to have problems finding that one, I do have it underlined here in my Bible. He was dead already. The timing of this. Do you remember how Jesus said, no man taketh my life from me? Christ did not die from his physical injuries, no matter how great they were, but rather he gave himself up to the Father. He ended his own life. He had power to do so. Jesus said, I have power to take my life and power to raise it up again. This is amazing. Theologians say that in that Christ died as a priest. He died as a voluntary offering, a free will offering to the Father. If he had waited and eked out his life to the last moment when the last drop of blood would flow from him, if he had in any way extended his time, we might say, well, he loved earthly life more than he loved to give up his life to God. But there's not a shred of evidence of that. And our Lord offered up himself freely, right there on the cross. Oh, the timing of this whole matter. Now, we know this also from the powerful shout of his triumph. In John 19, verse 30, it says here, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It is finished. It's done. And it was with great energy that he did so. This was not weakness. This was not just a faint gasp, but it was exclaiming the very victory of his priestly death and the voluntary nature. I give up myself to death for my sheep. He is no hireling. He is no hireling, but he offered himself voluntarily unto God. I think today we have collected the evidence. We have looked this from a number of aspects of the, the death, the attitude, the approach, the prayers, and the cries of our Savior right on the cross, and how it all acted out. And we have to say that Christ did indeed absolutely, in every which way we look at this, 
He lived for the day he would die. He planned that he would be in the right place. And he told his disciples, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Deliberately preparing his disciples, accepting a rest, going to the cross, and giving himself up. And so we can say that my Lord Jesus died voluntarily for me. I tell you, this is precious to us. This is vital to a closer walk and, a, and an enjoyment of our fellowship with our Savior. My, the Lord Jesus fulfills every sacrifice. All the blood of bulls or goats or the Old Testament animals, our Lord Jesus offered himself up a free will offering that saves me from sin. Now, in conclusion, three simple points. He did this to glorify the Father, because the Father asked him to do it. In this was his obedience to the Father. And Jesus brought glory to his Father by obeying him all the way to the cross and to death. And the Father was glorified. He accepted the offering and was willing to raise his Son up again. Also, he provides for all a sacrifice for sin. His sacrifice is acceptable to us. And as you look upon that death of Christ, behind it all is the deep-seated love, the personal love of the Savior for your soul, and how precious that makes it to each of us. And thirdly, to demonstrate to all men the Savior's love for his people, that he is no hireling, that he is indeed the good shepherd that gives his life for the sheep. Are you saved today? For what reason would you hold back and say, I, don't, I can't be a Christian? What will it take to impress upon you the need to call on the Lord and to know that he will save you? Some people say, I want to see a miracle. I want to see some outward evidence. You've got to realize this is real history. This is the real Son of God in a real human body who went to the cross and demonstrated every angle you look at this, his voluntary willingness to suffer for sinners. What do you expect him to do to declare his love? Don't lose your soul by neglecting the evidence of Calvary. Don't re reject the mighty evidence of the cross. If we want to know the love of God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is God's love for you. And I think that's the indication that the sermon needs to come to an end. And it's time for me to stop preaching. I am at the end anyway. And I trust that this message today, that I must say has thrilled my own heart, it has been a joy just to focus on these things. It's nothing wild, nothing new, nothing different. It's the old, old story that's ever new. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And
Well, thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak, and I trust that today the Lord has ministered to your heart. Before we close, we have a text, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here is a Bible text for the athlete. In training, a runner needs to fix his eye on one thing, the finish line. He must not get distracted by things nor people around him. No matter how they shout and call out his name, he must run with his eye fixed on the finish point of the race. In this Bible passage, the Christian life is referred to as running a race, not to get saved and not to have your sins forgiven, for that cannot be done by man's own efforts. That was Christ's work, which he did for us as our Savior. But to be a Christian and live in the victory of the cross of Christ, in the face of many forms of opposition, we must exert ourselves to follow Christ. To do so more effectively, we are to consider the example of Christ, who in his great sacrifice for sin endured the cross. It was not pleasant. Rather, it was torture to be kneeled to a Roman gibbet, while left in agony to die a suffocating death. The pain was indescribable. In its long, slow process of draining life from the human body, some took days to die. They were tortured enough to want to die, but left hanging while supported enough to defy death for many long, sluggish hours. Weakness, thirst, and organ failure brought the victim of crucifixion to his final fate with death. And our Lord Jesus endured so much of this, though he ended his own life by actively yielding it up as an offering to the Father. All said, Jesus embraced the cross for extreme delight he took in redeeming his people. The end or the purpose of his cross work was the mission of redemption, to save sinners from the fires of hell and bring them to glory. We are to keep looking unto Jesus and consider him. For us, there will be great gain when we bear the shame of the cross while we live for Christ in this world. For Christ, shame brought glory. For us, it will be the same. The Bible text tells us that Jesus is now at the right hand of the throne of God. He has entered into his reward, and so shall we. We belong to Jesus. We are redeemed by his blood, and soon he will take us home to finally and eternally dwell with him. For Christ, the hours on the cross, though long and slow to suffering human nature, were brought to an end. Our struggles shall pass too. We shall soon be raptured out of this cursed world, whether by the death of these bodies when our souls shall fly to God in heaven or when Jesus returns on the resurrection day. Then we are guaranteed that we shall no longer suffer pain or shame. That will be the day of vindication, for all friend and foe shall see with their eyes that it will have been worth it all.
It will be the day of glorification, when we shall also be transformed into the Savior's image in the ultimate sense. Our holiness and happiness will never again be interrupted. At one look on the Savior's face and to his wounded hands, feet, and side, and we shall sense the fullness of glory in our souls. Heaven will be all the sweeter for all the suffering. I trust that this will stir your heart to continue to look unto Jesus, for we have not yet resisted unto blood. We have suffered so little, Jesus so much, that he might save us and bring us to heaven. Do not lose sight of the cross. Do not lose the motive of the cross, but let it stir you to greater service and to earnest walk with him. May God bless his word. Stay tuned now as we come to our final... You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.l.com tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the home page of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway, on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.